0: 755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, and I'm with a special co-host today, since Eric is uh, involved in his wife delivering their. Baby,
1: <laughs> right? He's um, not having the baby, <laughs>
0: he's not having a baby. No, no I love we, it
1: when people say that we're having a baby. Well, he is involved,
0: one of <laughs> you is, <laughs> she's doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, we got a special, more than competent co host here today, and Eno Saris. And Eno, is it Saris or Saris? I always mean to ask you, know, I always probably mispronounce it.
1: We go with Saris, but it is Greek, so I think Saris would make sense too. but we go
0: Eno, Saris. Saris. And in case anybody of a certain age is wondering out there, Eno is indeed named after Brian Eno. So <laughs> he had right. a couple of very cool parents, obviously. <laughs> I know a lot of our younger listeners are going, who the hell is Brian Eno? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's he was right. a left-hander with the A's back in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. But uh, uh, like a really important person in music, I guess. Exactly.
0: Google Brian Eno.
1: Yeah, check him out. He produ- he was behind the scenes, more of a producer, but uh yep. might have created like might have created three different musical styles.
0: Yeah. And so. also did some of his own solo, some great solo stuff and as a recording artist himself, but he was yeah. huge in the development production or I should say of the Talking Heads and people like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, Brian Eno, very influential musician yeah. who's still going strong today. So, um Let's get, let's get to some baseball, man. We got, a, we got a guy here that can answer a lot of our questions probably or a lot of uh, comments that people have made wondering about things like spin rate and all that because Eno does the deep dive, the mm-hmm. deepest of deep dives at the athletic and all this kind of thing. So let me ask you, first of all, the Braves have won uh, five out of six games and finally are on that kind of run that they've been talking about going on all year or at least they're, they're showing signs of doing it because they've done it against some good competition as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They kept their heads above water coming out of the break. They had a brutal stretch of 18 games. They went 9-9 nine and in nine that stretch against the Padres, the Rays, the Phillies, the Mets. Uh, and now they've won five out of six, and they're at the softest part of their schedule. I know the Phillies also have a soft schedule coming up. I see the Phillies and the Braves running away from the Mets down the stretch. I think the Mets mm-hmm. are going to mess it up. Do you think the uh, Braves have – The personnel after, especially after the additions they made at the break, uh, are at the trade deadline to to make a run at this thing.
1: Yeah, it's really tough to 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 look at them as a team, uh, just because of Acuna, right? Like it's, uh, you know, it's he's what it's only one player, but it's such a dynamic player at the top of the lineup. Because when you're looking backwards, I think there's a lot of evidence actually that um, this is the best Braves team. Uh, the best. This is the the best team in the division. Yeah, when healthy, no question. Yeah, because for example, just looking at the numbers, like they've uh, scored the most runs in the division, and uh, they have the second best runs allowed in the division. So they Mm -hmm. have the best run differential, which uh, usually suggests that they're even better than their than their sort of five hundred ish uh, record to date. They should they should be. They should be the ones with 59 wins, basically, right It's now. a
0: little skewed, though, when you look, because they've had a freaky season as far as... They scored 20 runs twice. They've scored mm. 15 runs like three other times. I mean, they've piled up some runs. And, and that then actually...
1: That's actually... that That's one of the ways that run differential can be
0: yeah. uh, misleading. It's true. Huge run. You know, like they had a couple of games where the guys, when they brought in position players, and they piled up seven runs in the last inning, they did one of those against the Phillies. They did one of those against the Mets. So... That's a problem with run differential to me. It was okay before all these teams started going to position players like it's a normal thing to pitch position players at the end of routes. That used to be the exception. Now you see it so much, man. I hate it myself, but I understand why teams do it. <laughs> um in this day and age where starters only go five or six innings, you see it happen a lot more, you know.
1: What would you say if uh if a team just decided to uh to, to call it?
0: I don't think I'd have a problem
1: with that, man. Yeah, as a as a writer, I feel like because yeah. writers are like, sure, we get to go home early. Yeah, all right.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it would be a more representative sample of what the team is than it is right. when, when the other team scores seven runs off a shortstop who's in there throwing fifty eight miles an hour. But yeah, I, it ain't gonna happen. But you know, I, I would I wouldn't have a problem with the mercy rule, ten run mercy rule. <laughs> I wouldn't. So, yeah. but and also, you know, while we're on the subject, it pisses me off that MLB finally got a few rules rules that everyone came around to and i'm as traditionalist as anybody but me like a lot of old diehard people really ended up liking some rules we didn't think we'd like like the runner of second base to start the 10th inning maybe you push mm-hmm. it back to the 12th inning but people liked it the seven inning double header games people love it players like it managers like it writers like it so what does MLB do? It looks like they're going to kill both of those for next year. I mean, what, yeah. uh, what what do you think that's more to do with the collective bargaining? It seems like the the commissioner is worried about the statistical, the long term, the bigger picture of stats and having nine inning games. At, and and because there's so many doubleheader games now that he won't. that's a significantly fewer innings when you play a lot mm. of seven inning games. I mean, I don't know. And also, I think he listened to people complaining who are paying full price tickets. For seven, eight th- games.
1: That's that's I think the one where um, you don't want to alienate paying customers, especially since uh, attendance is down. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, physical attendance. You know, baseball is doing pretty well because uh, because uh, the TV money is still good. But yeah. uh, I guess he doesn't want to put any more pressure on attendance and 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 create this idea that like that you might not get your full money's mm-hmm. worth. Uh, so I guess. The inning thing. I could understand that. But, um, you know, I, one thing that I think that people don't maybe understand uh, so perfectly is that extra inning baseball is, is not good baseball. It usually is not. <laughs> it's it's, not it's play four or five innings
0: and wait for somebody to make a mistake and hit a home run.
1: That's it. it yeah. And you can actually see it in the numbers. Swing yeah. rates uh, go up. And because the swing rates go up, because everyone's just swinging for the fences, yeah. uh, the pitchers don't really throw it in the zone. So it's like this awful sort of walks yeah. and strikeouts thing, which is already what we already think that we have too many walks and strikeouts. And then let me yeah. introduce you to the 19th inning.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can, I, I, it's countless the number of games I've covered that once you get past the night, you go to extra innings, it's just like, okay we're gonna be here a while you yeah, never exactly. get that and now it's so different with that runner at second base the game almost never goes past 10 or 12 minutes it seems yeah. like i think
1: so, it adds the urgency it just it puts some pressure on the team exciting it really it's is exciting puts the puts the pressure on them to score to to finish the game and
0: and really? and
1: I, I thought it might be bunt sacrifice fly um yeah teams can't I, bunt anymore though <laughs> <laughs> but I don't actually think that I think that if you're the first team, right, then the top of the, ha- yeah. the top half, I think there's pressure on you to try to score more than one. Yeah, because you kind of assume they're going to score one. So you don't really want to bunt, sacrifice, fly, get one, and then they go to the bottom half and yeah. they get one. Then just what, what was the point of that? So mostly I've seen teams go for it, like just, you know, try to try to get some hits, you know, try to get some runs together.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. And and teams can't bunt, man. I mean, Pete <laughs> team, but the Braves, and I don't think they're really that unusual. they work on this in spring training, you know, it. for a couple of weeks. Then they don't work on it again. <laughs> yeah. And you expect and then fans are at home watching on TV going, why don't they bunt there? I'm like, because they don't work on it once they get out of spring training. So it's four months later, you're facing a guy with those 98 mile an hour, you know, sinkers. And you're Uh you expecting a hitter to go up there and bunt? Oh yeah, we worked on this in spring training four months ago. (laughs) It used to be pitchers could all. It was like a given that a pitcher was going to sack bunt a guy over, and that's not even a given anymore. It's like a coin flip.
1: Yeah, there's this weirdly weird thing too this year where, uh, you know, I don't know. This is get this borders on what people don't care about, which is like yapping between two writers about access or whatever. Hey, (laughs) wait a minute, man. But you know how we, you know how we, we our access now is on the field, right? And you know what happened the minute they gave us access on the field? BP, for almost every team, is now optional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and BP is the only time you might actually do some bunting because there yeah. is that sort of process, right? You take some swings, you you try to go left field, try to go right field, and then I, I forget, at the beginning of the end, you kind of do some bunting. Yeah. You do, yeah. Like they usually bumps. do it at the, the most. Of them do it at the beginning, the beginning, and then you take some swings. But the, the thing is, those aren't like I'm now going to try and drag bunt for a hit. Yeah, you know, because they don't even run. You know, it's just
0: like here's a dink dink. Yeah, dink.
1: okay. Exactly. Now I get to swing away,
0: and, and they go in a cage now to do it. They take optional hitting. They all the new ballparks have these great indoor cages.
1: Oh yeah, yeah But yeah, it's so totally they, they don't different come out they're
0: the field. not they're not doing the thing where. Guys used to work on, like Chipper Jones used to not swing away until like his final round. He's up there, and I saw JT, I saw uh, Justin Turner doing the same thing. He's up there hitting five balls to left, five Mm. balls to center. Justin Turner was doing a thing. It It was so cool to watch. He was doing a thing where it was almost like he was catching the ball with the bat and flinging it over the shortstop, flinging it over the second baseman. Wow. I mean, he had bat control. That's you know, cool. the young guys are getting up there just ripping. They're trying to hit the ball out of the ball up on the concourses and stuff. Yeah. But, guys, the older guys are up there using batting practice for what it should be. Uh, Freddie Freeman's the same way. He sits up there, hits the ball, tries to hit line drives over the shortstop, you know, to the knock the shortstop down. But – you take this. Yeah, indoors. he said
1: You know, he really told me something interesting about that. So he 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 is aiming for the shortstop, right? Yeah. In, in BP, but I was like, dude, why are you aiming at the shortstop? That's an out. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? And he told me uh, that his back. I mean, he's had some back issues, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's had some back issues. Well, he, he told me that he doesn't bend over as much uh, in BP, and so when he practices hitting it at the shortstop in BP. And then he when he bends over more uh, uh-huh. in the game, uh, that turns into over over the second baseman or up the middle. So it's like yeah. making up for the fact that he's uh, not bending over as much. he's not like he's not really doing his full stance when he when he does that. anyway, I just thought that was a weird thing.
0: that's what he's talked about for as long as I've covered this team, Freddie has talked about or as long as he's been up, Freddie's talked about uh, that's all he works on batting practice trying to hit yeah. a line drive and early in the season when he was struggling it's like you're tempted at times because he was hitting so many balls into the shift or hitting so many line drives that were being caught just hitting. I mean, if you look at his BABIP and all the uh, early on, he was hitting the ball hard, almost Mm. as as much as ever, but he was hitting 190. you know? Mm. Um, He said he almost was tempted to come out of his plan that he's used forever, you know, and just start, you know, launch angle and trying to, you know, but he said, you know what, it's worked for me for so long. I'm going to stick with it. And sure enough, Ball started falling in for hits, and now you see him get some cheap ones that early in the year he couldn't even get legit hits. I mean, everything was being caught; he yeah. was getting killed by the shift. So he's gotten quite a few hits lately uh, through the left side because they leave it wide open for him. And if he just hits the ball on the ground on the left side, he's got a hit. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, and Jock Peterson the same way. I, he's he they're like two of the few guys I've seen that'll actually try to beat the shift like that. Yeah, Brian McCann could do it, but most guys just, they, they hit into the teeth of the ship. They're not going to change what they do. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors.
1: You know, uh, have you seen, uh, have you uh, had the Giants in town yet or seen them?
0: Have they been here?
1: Well, I just mentioned them because they're doing, no. they're doing, I think, the most unique batting practice that I've seen this year um and what they do is they'll have as many as three different uh, locations they throw from uh-huh. so they'll have three else really? sc- three l screens out there and uh each of the and and then w- behind one of the l screens will be a pitching machine uh so they'll mm-hmm. do things where they like uh the pitching machine throws it h- hard from close and then someone throws it uh, soft from back, back, like back behind the the last L screen, or uh-huh. they'll like switch from left to right, um, and they're doing they're just doing it to like uh, to to screw with the hitters to yeah. you know, to sort of mimic uh, different arm slots and yeah. to to kind of makes be like, sense, oh, man. Off speed and yeah, you know, I was I was watching it with the the pirates, and they were kind of all being like what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, this is a good recipe for popping up uh, during BP. And right as they said that the guy that was in the cage, like popped up three times in the cage. Well, <laughs> for them, like they're... a lot of people, BP is just about feeling good, but right.
0: Right. Warming up. Um, yeah. But they're leading. Aren't they leading the majors in home runs still? Yeah. I mean, they're doing some things, right. The giants, uh... so they have been the team, the most surprising team at least to the positive end, you know, there's been a few negative surprises, but uh, uh, I thought the Giants, I mean, I, I, if if you're like me up until like maybe two weeks ago, I was still waiting for them to go to start, you know, come back to reality, but Mm -hmm. I've accepted that this is reality. This team is just good, man. I mean, Gossman, I never would have expected that from Gossman, but Mm -hmm. I mean, offensively they just do things the right way. They do a lot of, they do a lot of things that, that really are not that attractive in today's game at the, I, they got a good team, man. I would I have never, nobody picked them in that division with the Padres and the Dodgers yeah, doing what they did in the offseason. Nobody. Either.
1: But the, the, I think what's, uh, what it is, is the brilliance, you know, Ken Rosenthal had a piece today about it a little bit where, uh, Farhan is, uh, Zaidi, the, the president there. Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody recently, uh, around that was, that works for the giants. And I was saying, um, man, Farhan must just have like, who's the, who's the, who's the waiver wire guy? You know, Farhan has got some waiver wire AGM that's just all over it. And they're like, no. That's Farhan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like he is the guy who's super into the little minutiae of like, should I claim this guy? And should I claim this guy? And at the beginning, it was like a little bit much out mm-hmm. here in San Francisco because right. they claimed Connor Joe and then let him go after two weeks. And they claimed all the- they claimed like three or four people that they just gave him like two or three weeks. And then they were out of there. Um, but that was his, that was his process was to find guys like Yastrzemski, find guys like Solano through this waiver process. Because if you find a guy, because he found Muncie, you know, yeah. And if you find a guy like that, uh, it's worth so much money. And it's if you look at how the Giants are right it's now, like I found think, money. Yeah, it's found money. Right. Yeah. And then if you look at how the why the Giants are good, I think it's because they have no holes kind of thing. Like, yeah, when you're when you're like talking about like seventh, eighth, ninth guy in the lineup, um, you know, they're down for nothing. Seventh, eighth, ninth guy in the lineup is coming up in the eighth inning. A lot of times you're like, oh, I just turn this off. Right, you know, but with the Giants, it's like if your seventh, eighth, nine guys are like Solano, La Stella, like yeah. they're all like decent bats, you know, like they they found a way that like you you one of those guys is going to get a hit, one of those guys might get a homer, and then they're back in it.
0: So well, I. I can totally identify with what you're saying because we see the same thing in Alex Anthopoulos. Those guys were together with the Dodgers and you know they've they've talked so much. They spent so much time together that you see a lot of the same type things from the Dodgers, the Giants, the Braves and Alex is the same thing so many times the fans are like why did you get another catcher? They've literally gone through, like, every mid-30s catcher, backup catcher this year. They've used seven catchers. <laughs> they used seven before the All-Star I break. I didn't even notice. <laughs> seven catchers. They bring in a guy like LaCroix. He played two games on the MLB team. They dump. They get rid of him. They trade for votes. Oh, you know, that's right. They
1: got votes, yeah. They
0: had Kev- Ke- Kevon or Kevin Smith. He's about to get dumped when they bring back Travis Darno from the DL. But he... <laughs> He and the, and then at the uh, trade deadline, they get they get Jock Peterson coming out of the break to fill in for uh, as good as you can for Acuna. Right. He's obviously not going to be Acuna, but he's played really well uh, uh. playing right field and leading off. So you got the, you filled that. So what does he do at the trade deadline? Like trade he trades for three outfielders, and people are like three outfielders. He got Duvall. Okay, that'll that'll solve the problem. He got Duvall, but he didn't stop there. You know, he got Deval, he got Soler, and a lot of people look at Soler's numbers this year and going, really, Soler? Well, Soler was hitting before he left the Royals, like for the last 10 games before he left them. He's kept that up here. He's raking, man. Yeah. I mean, he's been a great addition. And he's got another year of arbitration. Right. So, and then they got Eddie Rosario, which was like a, a nothing trade because they got rid of Pablo Sandoval, who's done absolutely nothing for three months. So the, the, the
1: whole idea is the same idea. Like you're, you're, that's what you're pointing out. Cover like, your get,
0: asses, cover your ass, get the floor up. Yeah, make sure the worst
1: player on your bench, like worst the worst player in your lineup, worst player on your bench, is a good player. And uh, it's
0: never been more important than now because there's no waiver trades. You know, you yeah. could pick claim a guy you could that's been DFA'd or, or trade for a guy that's not on a forty man roster, but you can't get those good. You used to be able to get a good player in August. I mean, I Brace had Derek Lee one year, and he ended up being huge for them down the stretch in the playoffs. You can't do that anymore. So. Yeah, so if, if
1: Jock gets hurt your or death. Soler gets hurt, like it's going to be yeah. good to have Eddie Rosario coming back, you know? Yeah, like,
0: exactly. Yeah. Instead of relying on a guy like uh, Drew Waters who hasn't played at the majors, you Which know? They
1: also don't seem to want to do, yeah. No,
0: no, they're not ready. They're not coming. He's, he's hit a lot better in the last month and cut down on the swings and misses, some, but the swings and misses are still so high that, uh, they just made a decision early on that we're not, we're not going to be able to rely on him this year. You hope, you hope, you know, you didn't dump him at the, you didn't get rid of him at the trade deadline. You still have the hope, but uh, you know, he, they saw enough of Pache earlier in the year that they didn't want to bring Pache back up and have him fall on his face twice in one year. You know, he's mm-hmm. hitting better too in AAA, but they made the decision that we're not going to get, we're not going to be able to rely on either of those guys for the stretch drive in the playoffs. We need to, we need to get depth before the trade deadline. So,
1: See, I guess it. so. And, so back to your original question, like I, I could see. Is this team good enough? Yeah. I think the Braves are definitely, to me, the Braves are definitely better than the Phillies. Um, I, the one thing uh, I i don't know if I'm 100% with you on the Mets thing, just because uh, they could get healthy. So, you know, they got Carrasco back. They could get Thor back. Um, and without the DeGron, they're not doing
0: it.
1: You don't think so? Not without, without DeGron. Without, without DeGrom, they're not doing it. Well, no. Uh, you know, they still think that DeGrom's coming back. And then I also just think that this offense, you know, Lindor will come back at some point, and I think this offense is better than it's been playing. So um I could see it coming down to Mets Braves down the line, and I think I- I'm pretty sure that the uh the second place team won't make the playoffs. No. Yeah, you're right. So uh if the, the Padres really fall apart, it's gonna be one of those old school races for the division.
0: Uh um, the Reds are def- the, the Brewers. Uh you know, that they're, the they're Brewers, I think, too, yeah, I think the Brewers could win the pennant, they're that good. I really mm-hmm. do think they're that good. Um, and I think Craig Castle is the best manager in baseball, it's my opinion. Um, but the Reds are playing a lot better. And with Votto, where did this come from? I mm-hmm. thought Votto was beyond that, I didn't know he was capable of that anymore. Um, well, I, you know, I,
1: I just love him so much because, um, you know, the greatest players, I think. Will identify a hole or or, or or can look at their own numbers or their own production mm-hmm. and and realize that you know here's something I need to do something about. I remember when Mike Trout came up, uh, he was actually you could pitch him up top, up at the top of the zone, you could get him out, and he had a, and people were like, oh, he's striking out a quarter of the time, he's not he's not that great, um, mm-hmm. and then he just like went to work on it in the offseason, came back and started hitting tanks off of to, uh, off of fastballs at the top of the zone and his and his strikeout rate you know dropped and we were like oh this is the best player on the planet so like uh, uh, I see that a little bit in Votto, maybe not to the same extent where he's obviously the best player on the planet, but like for him, it was obvious that he was getting older, uh, and he had some choices to make. And for a mm-hmm. while, he kind of choked up on the bat and was trying to just make contact yeah. with everything in the zone. He's going to be like, "I'm going to hit like 290 with like 18 homers and, and like a 450 be- OBP and a 450 <laughs> OBP. That's just going to be who I am, uh, you know, into my into my twilight years." Uh well that wasn't enough. Uh, eventually I think to some extent uh, pitchers start filling out the zone um, if you if they don't fear your power. Uh-huh. Um, and so I just think it wasn't it just wasn't working out that well. So he went to drive line uh, this past off season uh, and did like a a speed bat trainer like um, uh, over and underweight bats basically just like weightlifting with the bat um, uh-huh. and got his bat speed back. And so now you're seeing, like, a guy who can hit 30 homers again. And, and uh, it's pretty exciting. And yeah. it speaks to his
0: sort of dedication. Where do you put uh, – and, and I like to rank players, of, you know, according to intelligence and all that, but would you say he's one of the more cerebral players you've ever been around?
1: Yeah, Joey for Votto. sure. For sure. Yeah. And, he and, like he, like, he knows about aging curves and he knows about – like not only just the overall player aging curve, because he has a shirt uh, where it says decline phase and it uh, has his age <laughs> on it or It's like it has an aging curve. Yeah. Uh, but he also uh, was reading up on the components, like which parts of uh, a player's game age the best um, and which age the worst. And apparently um, your ability to make contact on pitches outside the zone, like Pablo Sandoval style, um, uh-huh. Josh Hamilton style that uh, ages really, really poorly. Um, And uh, so that starts falling off when you're like 26 and just goes in the tank. Mm -hmm. And that explains to some extent, I think Josh Hamilton's Um, you know, Josh Hamilton's end of his career was a pretty, uh, you know, kind of a real fall off there. Yeah. Um, And if you just think about it, like, I think it to some extent explained like Andrew Jones a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, he, he always expanded the zone, especially like everyone was like yelling at the TV about the lows, the slider loan away. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, those uh, swings where he'd go down to one knee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that just, uh, you know, I think early on in his career, he made contact with that pitch. Otherwise he wouldn't swing at it. Right. And then I, I guess you just don't have the muscle memory to be like uh, to start laying off of it. You're like, I, I used to do damage on those pitches. And, uh, so I'm going to keep swinging on them or you just don't have that's that eye. Yeah. You know? That makes but, sense. Yeah. So, so Votto dedicated his early of his part of his career to like know, knowing the strikes zone better than anybody. Cause he knew that skill would last really long. Wow. Um, and, and that's why, uh, uh, just to bring this back to the Braves again, Acuna, this year, I was just amazed. I thought he had that trout thing where the one thing you could say about Acuna is he expands the zone too much. Mm -hmm. He swings outside the zone too much. And what did he do? He came back this year and was the number one improver on on swinging pitches outside the zone. And now he has like a really well above average rate of swing outside the zone. And he used to be one of the worst. He, uh, that was like, wow. Okay. CUNY really cares. And he like,
0: he can, he can look at his game and say, what do I need to do to get to the next level? And he did it. If anything, he was being criticized for taking some pitches that were too close, but he mm-hmm. knows the strike zone that well, that if you go back and look at some of the strikes that he was rung up on, that he complained about, if you look, they he were was right. <laughs> he was right. Right. And he doesn't quite get that respect yet. Maybe because he wasn't But in the past, he was a free swinger and that kind of thing. But, uh, right. He's he's a guy that, you know, it's kind of mysterious because we don't get to interview him a lot because of the language barrier. And he Uh, he just doesn't do a lot of in-depth interviews. But he's he'd surprise people with his intelligence. That dude's smart, man. He knows what's going on. Yeah. And
1: and from what little I have when I have talked to him, I I think there was a sort of a a fatherly, you know, a connection with his father. Yeah. Where I think his father really uh, taught him a lot about the game because his father struggled. Right. And saw saw the game from a different perspective, you know, yeah. where like a lot of managers do
0: that never get out yeah. of double A or triple A and become great managers or coaches.
1: Right. So he learned, I think his father learned a lot about the game in those struggling years in the minors and, and passed a lot of that on. So, yeah, there's some I think that's why it's it's unfair sometimes to rank these guys, because we don't always yeah. get a full picture. We don't exactly. Care. And there's a language barrier. I'm trying. I'm doing my Duolingo, trying to trying to learn my Spanish. But uh, there's sometimes a language barrier. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then people also just express their their. Um, that's what I was going to say. Some people, people are, it's clear how
0: intelligent they are with the way they speak, like a Joey Votto.
1: Right, but other, then there are other people who know as much about the game, but just don't have the like the words to express it, or, or don't don't talk about it the same way,
0: or they don't speak. Uh, they have an accent, you know. It's, it can yeah. be something as elemental as that. Yeah. Um, Chipper Jones for the longest period, you know, Chipper has his southern draw and he speaks slowly. And I think a lot of people would see him in a in a in a soundbite on TV and just assume he's some dumb jock. Chipper Jones, <laughs> yeah. without exaggerate, is the most is the smartest baseball player as far as knowing the entire game that i've yeah. ever personally covered i mean he is a savant with baseball he can tell you literally the count of almost any big hit he had 10 years ago he can tell you the pitch sequence you know that's Why- a, that's
1: a that's a real underrated baseball uh, thing that yeah. you know pitchers can tell you what they threw a guy 3 5 years ago it's crazy to me I can't, I can't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it tells you that those, those guys were thinking along with pitchers. They just weren't up there, you know, looking for a pitch to hit. they were thinking along with the pitchers and he knows. There's no doubt in my mind he won't be a manager because it takes too much time. And he's got so much other going on <laughs> he, with his he, made he made enough money playing. He made enough money. That's the problem with so many guys. That today's game that could be great like I, managers. You said about Votto too. I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. He made money. so much
1: money. I don't know. He, he might be like a consultant or something. <laughs> exactly. That's what
0: Chipper is right now, a consultant. Yeah. So he keeps his toe in the water. But they, uh, where you can't expect these guys who made two, three hundred, four hundred million $300, $400 million to all of a sudden, they've worked twice as much or they look, work a lot more hours as a manager or coach than I did as players. And it's mm-hmm. year round and you can't expect them to yeah, do that. Barry, for-
1: Barry was a terrible coach.
0: <laughs> Barry Bonds was so bad. Yeah. Like, he would, just, he'd show up, uh,
1: you'd jump to the park at like noon. Yeah. <laughs> and People would be like, what?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> he, got- he
1: was the hitting coach in Miami. They were just like, uh, that guy's never around. What's going on?
0: It's such a different era because you got a guy like, uh, uh, Terry Pendleton comes to mind. Cause he was the hitting coach here for quite a while. But they had great careers, but that was back when they didn't make twenty million dollars, you know. So that money doesn't—they're not—they're not wealthy beyond yeah. m- imagination for the rest of their lives. So they actually are still want to work, you know. And they so TP man, we get to spring training, get to the ballpark at seven in the morning. Pendleton's been there for an hour working with guys individually well, in the cage. That's also know?
1: his personality, right? I mean, he was yeah, kind of a, a, lunch, a yeah. he was a lunch pail grinder. Rod Washington, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a guy
0: that scaled the heights. He was a manager on a World Series teams and all that. He's I out there doing one on one drills with infielders, you know, an hour and a half before batting practice.
1: I think Terry would be the greatest hitting coach because I remember growing up, he had a new stance. Like every three weeks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. He could talk to anybody about their stance. Cause he'd be like, Oh yeah, I had that once for four yeah. weeks in August of 1988.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is he was, a, he was a hitting coach here for a long time. And if you go back and look with the year where they changed hitting coaches, The OBP wasn't as stressed back then as it is now, not nearly what it is. And if you go back and look, like the last couple of years he was the hitting coach, they were ranked in the top, like, three in the majors in OBP. And it was like, yeah, we want more, you know. And, And now if you look at it, it would be like, why did they get rid of that guy? You know, because they've been through a lot of hitting coaches since then. Sides yeah. was really good. Knows his shit. But TP was great, man.
1: I'm- it's also, it's a it's a really tough job. The yeah. uh, the average tenure right now of a yeah. hitting coach is like a year and a half.
0: It's terrible. That's how
1: quickly they fire people. And th- that's part can't of fire the hitters. The, yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. You can't fire the hitters. Also, like, the, but the data and tech is changing every year. Yeah. And so that requirement is different. Yeah. I, and also, I just think that too much is asked of a hitting coach. Oh, when, when they looked at what they actually can do. I think that's a really smart thing you said about Terry. What they, the number one thing that a hitting coach can actually affect when you look at when you try to strip away everything, it's really hard to strip away everything because you know somebody could just have a good year and then yeah. you'd say, oh, that was a hitting coach. Yeah, I yeah. just had a good year. Yeah. Um, But uh, when you try to strip it away, the biggest effect that a hitting coach has is on whether or not to reach at a pitch outside the zone, like whether or not you're going to be more passive and mm-hmm. like sort of uh, swing less and maybe take uh, and take more walks and strike out a little bit more, maybe. Um, or if you're going to be more aggressive, that's like yeah. the main the main toggle that a that a hitting coach has. So uh, I'm I, I'm sure there's there there are a lot of th- good things that a hitting coach should do, uh, but to ask them to sort of take my struggling team and turn around all the hitters is, is a lot to ask.
0: And it's so easy to scapegoat a hitting coach, a yeah. pitching coach, a bullpen coach. And you know, because what's the knee jerk reaction when people see a team is struggling, like with runners in scoring position? fire the hitting coach. Well, wait, wait a minute. The same guys were third in the majors with runners and scoring position a year ago. Did he stop teaching them what he taught them? Ben? Maybe there's a lot
1: Did, of luck in that stuff.
0: Exactly, man. Exactly. <laughs> and
1: I mean, I also, if you're thinking about it from a GM perspective, I feel like uh, you you have like a list of, of, of people you can fire before you get fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's like, you can, you can go through a couple hitting coaches and pitching coaches before exactly. then you have to fire the manager. But if you hire another manager after, after that, you're next. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, 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 you cannot. You're the one who screwed up. <laughs> otherwise, that GMs. A lot of times when you see them make a move after a disappointing season, after they make a move and it's like, okay, I, they might as well throw a dart at the board because somebody's going to take a fall. It ain't going to be the GM, you know? And if it's a high profile manager, it's not going to be the manager. Cause he's going to say, you know, I managed the, the guys you gave me. So who's it going to be? It's going to be one of the underlings. that's not going to complain about it. Cause it's not going to burn bridges because he wants to get another job. Right. And then you could say, I made a move, you know, we, we, yeah. we tried to address that, we fired that the pitching so. coach. very fungible, like, like relievers. <laughs> They're very fungible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the, the rain that you don't see many that do the job for a long time. It's got a guy like Larry Rothschild. That's been a pitching coach. I, he was a pitching coach when I was covering. That's a exactly in, sort in of in the what the I was 90s. thinking of there, right there.
1: Actually. I do think that he might've screwed up a little bit with Sonny gray. There was, they weren't communicating well with each other. Uh, that's Ruggles. what so much of it is communication with right. certain guys yeah but, but uh but he's obviously ha- has skills in communication he's been a bitch coach
0: forever you know like yeah had a lot of success yeah. you know so yeah it's a thankless job um so what uh i wanted to ask you about spin rate mm. i know you you looked at spin rate the reduction immediately after kind of bef- even before the rules went into effect, like that previous week when they said they're going to go into effect, you started seeing some guys go, oh, shit, and start doing, you saw some differences. And um, do you think that the rule has had its intended effects? Because, I, I, you know, we, a lot of us noticed offense going up in those first weeks after the rules went into effect. And we also saw a lot of spin rates going down. Do you think it's kind of leveling out now? Guys are adjusting, figuring out how to pitch without sticky stuff if they, you know, after some really difficult first week or two?
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple things that I'm saying. So uh, at, at a sort of peak or like uh, maybe let's say around uh, the beginning of July, um, I, I looked at how many people were down, how many how many uh, pitchers are down. And it was around 60 percent were down significantly, what you would call sort of statistically significantly. So 60 yeah. percent of the league uh, was down. And I would say that you know you probably still have people who are still cheating so like yeah um my guess had been my reported my reported guess had been 75 percent. so i think we were pretty close two thirds to three quarters of the league were doing we're using something um and then there was about a quarter of the league that was down like 300 400 rpm yeah and and that was on the sort of spider tack level right Uh, right and our reported guess there was about a third so uh, a third to a quarter, we're using like the crazy stuff. Yeah. Um. And uh. So I, you know, what we noticed was uh, uh four seam fastballs uh were most affected by this. Mm-hmm. Um. And we know that in baseball, um, you know, it's been going towards like the high four seam with the slider has kind of mm-hmm. been you know what baseball's been doing recently. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That high four seam got less effective. So what we did see was there was actually some trading of four seamers back for sinkers and two seamers. So we've seen um, uh, enough to say, like, that's a little bit of a trend where like a little bit of sinkers coming back, uh, a little bit of two seamers coming back. Um, I could sa- I could tell you right now that uh, whiffs on four seamers is down 10 percent um, from before the band to mm-hmm. after the ban. So like definitely had an effect on four seamers i think that uh th- it probably disproportionate to some players some pitchers where like some pitchers de- you know had a high riding four seamer that they de- de- depended on more than others right so um, those guys maybe got more affected by it. Uh, yeah. but I would love to see like uh, what Wasker does when he comes back, you know, because he was kind of like a high, uh, you know, kind of a riding forcing with that slider. Mm-hmm. So I want to see, you know, that's the kind of pitcher that could be uh, well affected by this. But um, another thing I've noticed uh, that I just, I just looked at this for this show. Um, there are 40 pitchers uh, who were down big uh, after the ban who are now back up big? <laughs> really? Um,
0: yes. So Maybe where to locate the uh, sticky stuff?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I think about a couple of things. When I think about that. First of all, um, I think that the uh, the enforcement is kind of rote and obvious, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Right. They, they told Tint everybody. know where they're gonna look. Yeah. Right. So th- 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 <laughs> if you if you put it anywhere all th- yeah. other than your glove, your belt, and your hat. Yeah. You could still cheat right now, right? You can yeah. still do whatever you do you want to do. The other thing that I've noticed, and this is more anecdotal, um, but uh, also they, they said they would kind of, and I, I feel bad for uh, Hector Santiago, though I guess he then ended up uh, getting popped for steroids too, but. Um, they sort of said that, yeah, oh, you can't do uh, sunscreen and, and sweat with the ro- like you can't you can't have it on your on your glove or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've said they were going to really not lock down on that. They haven't really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see a lot of sweaty ass pictures, like just sweaty hair, like yeah. just, just wet, wet people out there. And yeah. so I think that they're just, you know, getting the wetness off their hair uh, and and combining it with the rosin to just get as much as they can out of the rosin. Um and so that's they're they're finding ways that are more legal I guess uh, yeah. to to kind of get some of that back uh, or some of them have just found a different place to put the spider tag that's but, funny because uh, I think a lot is, of people has been a bounce back life finds a way
0: as I said yeah yeah <laughs> guys let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. It's funny that you mentioned that you explained that the forcing is the most effective because I think a lot of people, the general view was these guys with the huge curveballs are going to, oh, they're screwed. No, that wasn't the case. Um, There's some command.
1: I think some of those breaking ball command has gone down.
0: Charlie Morton is a guy that he said the day the rule came out, he goes, he goes, I welcome it. I've said since day one, the baseball can't do anything that's going to affect my spin rate. In other words, he was talking bold like I do not cheat. And what happened his first two starts after that, I looked at his spin rate was still the same as it ever was, over 3,100 on a lot of his curveballs. You look at a Charlie Morton start, it's fascinating because on the savant where they do the spin rate for every pitcher in the game, right? Uh-huh. He's usually between 35 and 45 top pitches of all the pitchers in the game. He is every top spin rate. I mean, not even one pitch from another pitcher's. Slips into there. It's like when you like, do with
1: the Aroldis Chapman velocity, and it's like all Aroldis yeah, Chapman when he's exactly. velocity. Yeah. So it's like twenty
0: nine hundred to th- over thirty one hundred spin it's rates. That curveball. It's fascinating, man. Yeah. I mean, guys, a, he's an ageless wonder. I, I I've, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised and fascinated watching him. Just uh, so impressive watching this guy go in start after start at age thirty seven. He's still nasty. He's still in mid to upper nineties with that curveball that is just unhittable. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. He's an impressive guy, man, and and really smart guy too. No, I, I he's one of my favorite interviews. He's, yeah, I like know, him. He's
1: he he goes on that smartest list. What's interesting about him too um, is um, his emotional intel or like his his just he's an emotional guy. Yep, you know, and he and he wants to. He cares he, he want, like he hell cares about to, everybody, man. His and teammates, and he wants to, and he cares about uh, uh, saying the right thing, to, like to it yes, like, like expressing himself correctly. No cliches. Yeah, never and, like, an
0: answer just to get the answer and move on. And get right. the interview over. He's just there. like. Thinks, thinks about, about it for what you, a
1: second. Yeah, thinks about your question, really yeah, wants to answer it. It means yeah. a lot to him. We're like, yeah.
0: sometimes in post game, we're like, okay, Charlie, just it's all right, man, don't worry. He, <laughs> just he acts us, like he cares so much. Just give so us much. the Mad Libs. Just give us the words. So we can He'll put go it in. four <laughs> minutes on an answer, and he'll go, I don't know. I don't know did that help? Did that help? To, is that the, what you're looking for? We're like, yeah, that's more than enough, dude. <laughs> he's great. I mean, he is so uh, – God, he's, he's great to have on the team to cover.
1: Yeah, it was really funny to have Morton and, uh, Morton and Granky as like, uh, these are two guys I love talking to that are, couldn't be more different in terms yeah. of the, that emotional quality, but are also just super smart yeah. when it comes to, to pitching. So, yeah.
0: So I mean, if the if he wants to pitch another year and I don't know why he wouldn't want to, I mean, I, I know he's got little kids. That'd be the only reason, but the Braves, uh, you know, train 15 minutes so he can live at home and spring training. That helps a lot, but the race he's also. The I think he was really race.
1: important for this this pitching staff. Oh yeah, huge. He, like he's pro- he's also just in terms of like so t- t- statistically he's projectable. You kind yep. of know what you're going to get. Every shot uh, it, it's it's not. Uh, it's either he's in there or he's injured. It's not uh, a question of how good he's going to be. And you saw with like the younger Braves starters that like we've seen their best, and now in some cases we're seeing some of their worst. And like, yeah. you know, like yeah. you know, there's that like sort of yo-yoing that happens with a young pitcher, a uh, young right. starting pitcher that doesn't necessarily happen with Charlie Morton.
0: So and even smiling yo-yos. You know, he's had a really great second half. You know, he's been really good after the first two months he struggled. He's been really good but he's not going to give you one five two times through the order you got to get him out that third yeah. time through when charlie he's he, he might have a bad first inning or brad's second inning but he's going to give you his six or seven innings he's going to give up between one or no runs and three or four runs maybe occasional five but that's it mm-hmm. and he's been a great influence on the young guys too just watching him go about his work it's invaluable with all the young right. guys they've got you know and also, he's like all he's, of them he's super length.
1: yeah he's super open to like data and tech everything and so like that does actually it is meaningful um you know there are pitchers like uh, uh, leadership on the cardinals that are not as open uh, to right. that and so that that then sort of goes down to the younger players where they're like, ah, I don't care about the Rapsodo, you know, the, right. you know, the older guys kind of don't care. So I don't care. But if, but it's, it, there's a lot of value to be had there when you're, when you're trying to shape pitches and trying to yeah. be the best pitcher you can be and to have Charlie in there being still caring about what the drop is on his curve ball mm-hmm. or, or, if, you know, how he can get coaxed more right out of the four seam or whatever it is. And, and, and being there from the machines. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. That was a, that was a really good, uh, a really good signing. I, and just generally Anthopolis uh, strikes me is just a very interesting guy. I was looking up the, um, the Braves bullpen never ranks in the top 10 when it comes to velocity. Right. And, uh, and when you go and buy, when you go spend a top dollar for uh, Chapman, Hendricks, um, uh, Liam Hendricks, Kimbrel. Chapman, Kim When you're signing those guys, you're spending a ton of money and you're doing it to get a high velocity, high strikeout guy. And that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense that it has you know, been proven, but Anthopolis, uh, sp- would rather spread the risk around by uh, cheaper guys, uh, and, and by a couple of them. Um, and he seems yeah. to kind of value, uh, and this is not something that's valued in relievers usually, uh, command. A little yeah. bit in his yes. relievers. And You think about Mel- Melanson, Will Smith. You know, these guys like, um, you know, the guys that he pays money for uh, don't have the 98, but they have command. And maybe sometimes they'll have multiple pitches. You know, they, they've they they've proven yeah. themselves year over year. Uh, they're proven commodities. And he went um, out and got Rich
0: Rodriguez for that reason. God yeah, comes in so of... strikes. He loves like Tomlin. You know, he yeah. might. It only throws 99.2 now. But he throws strikes because they yeah. watched enough of those young guys throw hard, uh, that bounce around throwing walk in the yard and that kills them and that kills everybody watching these. And those guys are easier to acquire
1: I mean you still have yeah. like you can bring Nukem in if he's yeah. if it's good command Nukem you know then like he could be good in the bullpen you can have guys sort of you have the hard throwers come up through your own system and you kind right. of filter through those but if you're going to sign a guy then yeah. sign a guy that has some, some command and some ability uh because you're giving him some actual money over over two or three yeah. years so I really like what he's done in the bullpen and I think Morton is was a good signing on that front. Smiley, yeah, he's volatile, but it's also was a one year deal for him too, right? Yeah. Eleven so. million, yeah. Yeah. So they'll do it again next year. They, I bet you they don't do smiley again next year, but they, maybe they'll give Morton a one year and they'll find somebody else. Yeah. Another veteran pitcher that they give a one year deal to, um, yeah. and, 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 and rinse and repeat because they've got this great positional core. And that's what, that's what he's trying not to do. He's trying not to give up any of the assets that might turn into that core or might add right. to that core. Right. Uh, and that's why I, I like, like, I like those, the deadline, you know, getting devolved. None of those guys cost a real prospect, no, they only I doubt added about
0: it. six million, and they got rid of none of their top prospects.
1: I doubt that. I doubt that any prospect they traded away will turn into like a top line player. Maybe, right. maybe like a league average back end side of type of player. Yeah. But they didn't
0: give up like a top hundred prospect or anything. So he still hasn't. And been here three years, he hasn't given up one top prospect.
1: And it can be frustrating, but they did yeah. open the coffers for Ozuna. So like they do, they will pay for 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 certain situations,
0: and they're about to with Freeman, I think too. So
1: I think they'll sign Freeman. Yes, it'll get Freeman. done. They just they don't want to they don't want to give him like uh, they don't want to like two and three hundred million is a little bit much for a first baseman. Yeah. You're right. So they want to wait the for current. their earnings
0: report. It just came out oh, last week. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah raking it in again. It's like
1: the only publicly, uh, yeah. it's the only public uh, team in baseball, publicly owned team in baseball.
0: No doubt. And so they have to give the earnings report. And so we can all know bottom. exactly how much money they have. <laughs> and they're raking it in over the second quarter last year when they lost money. This time they had an operating profit of like fifty-four million. Like last year they lost, you know, no 20 excuses. Million. So now there's no excuses. Now they can give Freeman a make him a fair offer. They can't make him an insulting offer. They have to. it too important. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, look work. what happened in, in Chicago. They gave Rizzo a bit of an insulting offer. I mean, I think yeah, exactly. For, you look like, bad when you do that. 4 and 5 for 70 is, is a little bit insulting to a guy that like brought you a world series. It's still a good player. He's not he's not a lumbering first baseman. He still plays good defense, you know. Yeah, Freddie seen. they got to do at
0: least what the Goldschmidt got, a little bit more than that. Yeah. So I think it's got to be 5 years, 6 years, 140, 150 even. That's, I that's yeah, I bet
1: it'll be in there. Yeah, yeah but it, it's not he's not going to be the guy, you know, the, if you get 200, 300 million, that's like you're in a, a middle infielder and you're you know you're 25 or something when you get it and you yeah know, like tatis type stuff you know yeah you don't give uh that much money but yeah 100 125 on the low end
0: but they'll get something like that yeah all right man well i know we're running out of time here uh our producers got another show to do and yeah. uh i don't want to keep you i really appreciate you hopping on with us here i was going to ask you about dance B. swanson too where uh He's one of those guys. It's hard to judge where he is because there's so many great shortstops in the game today. Have you ever? Have you? Where would you, if you, off the top of your head, where would you put Dansby Swanson? Uh,
1: it, no. It, it's going it, to sound like I'm 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 bagging him, but like middle of the pack. I understand. Yeah, I understand. I think he's very good. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. so many good shortstops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'd say you know what with age, I I know that like you know FanGraphs, I've got uh, FanGraphs open in the meantime. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know,
0: fangras puts him uh where is it? He doesn't do great war wise or de- defensive wise, yeah, but you watch him play him 20th, but you watch him play and he's better than that, you know. Yeah,
1: I think he's over you have him 20th behind guys like Iglesias, uh Ahmed Rosario, uh Brandon Crawford. I would put him ahead of those guys. I, I, I would put him ahead of Miguel Rojas. Oh uh, yeah. i put him I think I'd put him ahead of De Young, Paul Young, mm-hmm. uh, even though War likes him better. Um, I think I'd put him maybe around 10, 11, 12. You know, Adamus, uh, Wander Franco, Tim Anderson, those guys are supposedly 9, 10, 11. So it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to necessarily yeah. put him ahead of those. I mean, those guys are really good too. Yeah.
0: And he does some things intangibles that don't show up anywhere that, you know, people are going to poo poo whatever. But if you watch him, he does some things. He makes some really smart plays. He's a winning mm-hmm. player. He played, you know, at Vanderbilt, he, made, he was a huge part of their national championship team. But, you know, those are things you don't necessarily pay a lot of money, for, tons of money for, you know. But this year, the 20 homers already, that's been a revelation. And uh, he, he still doesn't have a nearly high enough average in lbp for, for a shortstop. But, uh, you know, if you had 20 bombs and you're playing solid defense, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. He's got one more year arbitration before free agency. So
1: He's also been a little different from, like, year to year. Like, there were yes, years he where he was, like, more of a batting average guy with
0: less power. Yeah, when uh, he's hurt, playing hurt. You know, yeah. he's healthy now, and we're seeing – he's surprising 20 homers he's a rangy guy doesn't look like at all like you see him and you go how's this guy gonna set he's gonna set a shortstop record for home runs for the Braves all-time franchise record and you look at him and
1: he has good plate discipline. I think he should he should walk more in the future and and get that OBP up but yeah I always thought he had this power um actually because the batted ball stats like the barrels and stuff he did. but uh yeah I I like him I like watching him play and I I think he's, he's he's a little bit underrated
0: all right, that's it. We appreciate it, man. Thank you for jumping on here and plugging yeah. in for uh, for Eric.
1: Thanks for having me. And congratulations to Eric.
0: Yes, 755 is real and we are out.